Welcome to the WorkSmart Podcast. I'm Philip Allen. In this podcast episode, I discuss with Julie Pardy, WorkSmart's Director of Regulation and Market Engagement, and Nick Dent, WorkSmart's Client Engagement Lead, the PRA's December's 2020 report, evaluating how SMCR is delivering against its objectives. My guests then dig out for you the report's key recommendation and actions that will be of most interest to regulated firms. So let's get to it. Julia, Nick, thanks for joining us today on this WorkSmart podcast. And in these trying times, we need to grab some good news where we can. And the PRA gave us some good news only a month ago in December 2020 with their review of SMCR, which revealed that around 95% of firms surveyed that SMCR was having a positive effect on behaviour. And 97% of firms reported integrating the SMCR in their business as usual practices in ways that went beyond simply regulatory compliance. Reasons to be cheerful, wouldn't you say? I think you're absolutely right, Philip. We were really interested to read that review when it was published. And what they've found in their survey around the positive effect of SMCR is really what we've seen when we've been working with clients in respect of implementation. So that was just echoing what we saw. The thing that I was more interested in actually was the second statistic there around the 97% of firms integrating SMCR into BAU. So we have definitely seen organisations that have chosen not to focus on the improvements that SMCR can make to their business and more about we're doing it because we have to, but they have been in the minority. And I think it's a real tick in the box for this regime. If firms can take this and use it to improve existing processes, because what we've always said when we've talked about SMCR is, look, within an organisation, you will always know what policies, procedures, processes, ways of doing business that aren't quite right for you, that need fine-tuning and tweaking and SMCR because it goes for all the way through your business is a great opportunity to make those improvements under this particular project and I, I believe that's what firms have done so that absolutely confirms what the regulator is saying. The only downside I think of SMCR in the feedback that we've had is that the much smaller firms are much more challenged. They don't have as many people in support functions so it's been quite challenging to implement and even though there is an element of proportionality firms have felt that it hasn't been proportionate enough. So I think food for thought but really really good positive news in the main. I would agree. The nature of what I do is I talk to people that are well engrossed in the regime and the benefits that it can deliver anyway. By and large, I talk to people that have welcomed it, really. And if anything, I think the banking sector, for whom it's applied for a longer period of time than the solo regulated firms, obviously, are bigger advocates for it. So, you know, I would encourage firms of every size to make most of it. So the report reminds firms that the PRA wants to see good quality statements of responsibilities. And Nick, I think they have a point here, don't you? Absolutely. Where I've seen them be the most meaningful and appropriate is where senior managers, especially those senior managers who are particularly engaged with the, you know, the objectives of the regime, really, have drafted the, the statements of responsibility themselves, albeit it's then gone through a, a process of review and peer review and that kind of thing. But I, I think that's where we've seen, in our experience with working with films, the most appropriate statements of responsibility being authored and published. But it's not all rosy in the garden, is it, Julie? <laughs> 
No, I don't think it is. I'd love to say that we believe statement of responsibilities have delivered exactly what the regulator was looking for. But in a number of instances where examples have passed our desk, they've been sort of very scant in detail. And actually, you know, what the regulator was looking for is if any one of us are holding one of those regulatory positions, that they understand the nature and the extent of for what I am accountable for. And like Nick says, where we've seen really good ones that show all the business units that you're responsible for, the detail around the regulatory responsibilities and see it updating and changing over time as responsibilities change. We've seen many where the firm appear to have taken the decision to put down as little as possible in print. And my view and my feedback has been to these firms that if you take off your logo, and I didn't know that it was your firm that would written it, I've got no idea that this person works for this type of firm. And I've got no idea really what they're accountable for, because there is so little detail on it, it's impossible to tell one from the other. And you know what, that's just such a crying shame and a waste of time. Whereas if we look at all those people that have said, no, we've got a real positive impact because of this, that's because there is greater clarity around who is responsible for what and how accountabilities move over time. Fascinating to read that half the firm surveyed reported an increased in risk aversion, particularly in smaller firms. That said, many consider SMCR to have enhanced decision-making by increasing the focus on responsibilities. Of the clients WorkSmart support with their SMCR software, do you observe that the decision-making under SMCR has been enhanced? I think in the early stages, there was definitely some risk aversion going on. A couple of examples I can give you. When SMCR was due to be implemented, firms were so worried about categorising their certified populations correctly that what they did was pop quite a lot more people in than probably needed to be in there based on the regulatory definitions. And again, that was being driven through a concern about I'll get into trouble if I don't have at least the right number of people in there. We also witnessed in some firms, and it could be a link to culture here, where there was a, a trend to be really worried about making any decision, especially if that accountability could lead back to particular individuals and almost this focus on we'll try and get the decisions made as a group and then we'll spread the responsibility. But realistically, from a regulatory point of view, they accept that committees and boards, you will have collective decision making, but it doesn't nullify the fact that the person who gets paid the big bucks to take the accountability will be accountable for the decisions that they make. So it's quite an interesting one, really. And I think over time, you'll find that that might be an immediate reaction to the regime. But in the longer term, I suspect that will tail off. And Nick, you you flagged up, what does risk aversion mean? I guess it's just a, a generic observation, really, that there's a risk that the compliance could overtake the business, really. In the worst case scenario, uh, decisions won't be made, people continue to procrastinate, or indeed the wrong decisions are, are made because they're deemed to be too risky rather than firms benefiting from what would be a better culture and better decision making from better insight and data driven decision making, really. So there's a balance to be had, I guess, is my point. I'd love your view 
views on this. Up until October 2020, the PRA says, that's four and a half years since SMCR's inception, the PRA received only 16 conduct notifications in respect to senior managers. And that's out of 7,850 approved SMF holders and 104 conduct notifications in respect of certified staff. What are we to read into this? It's really, really hard to read anything into this. And I think that's why the PRA have been very careful about how they commented on this. What would have been more helpful is for them to say, okay, in the four and a half years, we had these 16 conduct notifications for senior managers. And in the previous four and a half years, this is the number of conduct notifications we had so that the industry could see a compare and contrast. Unfortunately, they didn't do that. And I think it's really hard to say whether that's right or wrong. And that's the problem they've had. They've got this data out of the report and they've been very careful to say, you know, actually at this moment in time, it's difficult to know whether that's the right figure, the wrong figure, too high, too low, because it's it's out of context and there's no comparison. So whilst it's an interesting exercise, I don't think at this point we can read too much into it. Two issues the report picked up on. Firstly, the report recognises that firms are apprehensive about hiring individuals with adverse comments on their references. And this, in the eyes of the PRA, might be unnecessarily punitive against the individual. And the second issue is what you touched upon earlier in this interview, Julie, which is proportionality, an issue that I know we have talked about many times before in the past. I noticed that a number of smaller firms reporting to the PRA said that SMCR really wasn't proportionate in their understanding. Nick, um, do you want to pick up on one or both of those points? I think what we see working cross-sectorially is a range of different responses to the regime and the the principles of the regime and the rules of the regime. And some uh, firms and some sectors taking a more relaxed approach to it, thinking that on the basis rather that they're the less risky firms and therefore not necessarily going to be the focus of attention of of the regulator and less scrutinised. If I pick up on the first point that you raised here um, with regards to hiring individuals that maybe have something in a reference, it's interesting. We have, since the beginning of the regime, the regulatory lawyers have been consistently clear on one point, and that is their real concern that firms will be so concerned to do the right thing, that any tiny misdemeanour would be put on a reference and other firms would then be so worried about employing that person that there is no consideration that it could have been a one-off or a blip and that they are excluding individuals immediately from pools of interviewees for jobs. And I think that obviously could lead on to a real concern within firms that they're not able to hire the right talent that they need. Secondly, with the smaller firms, and for example, I would say maybe organisations that have UK branch offices, they don't have the depth and breadth of experience and and resource within their organisations that has the longevity to be able to deal with the complexities of SMCR. So we see those firms really, really struggling. And those UK branch offices are run as exactly that, branch office operations, and therefore they don't have the infrastructure 
that UK incorporated banks have in the UK and they do genuinely struggle even with the best will in the world and a following wind they struggle to get things done right and they struggle to get things done on time and I don't suspect that's going to change unless the regulator relooks at that piece around proportionality. So in wrapping up through this report is the PRA giving firms a B, a B minus or a B plus? Sorry, I'm using old school language here, aren't I? It should be a six, a seven, or an eight, or a nine in new GCC language. Um, I, I'm not sure what the PRA are giving, but I think having read that, I'd actually say it's a B minus. And the reason that I would say that, and I wouldn't be more positive, is that a lot of those questions that derive the percentage results of this were PRA supervisors. And they were also banking organisations that knew that they were not responding incognito. And therefore, you know, there is an element of this where I think you do get a little bit of distortion in the results. But I I think there's a way to go. I think there are organisations that have used SMCR to really help make a difference in their structure, in their governance, in their people processes, really positive and would be quite offended at a B minus. But there are more firms that still have quite a way to go. So I think it's a work in progress. And I think that firms should take away from the report. SMCR is here to stay. The banking and the insurance and the building society sectors have more experience than they have. Talk to colleagues and those across the industry and share ideas and share experiences of how firms can better use SMCR to deliver all of the good things that the regulator was hoping that it would do. And Nick, no call for action from the PRA to say, please see me after class. There's no please see me after class and there's no report that says easily distracted either. So in general, no, it's it's okay. And not, not forgetting, by the way, there are lessons here for solar regulated firms. Absolutely. And, I, you know, we've got many really good examples in the solar regulated firms that we've worked with who probably have implemented it more effectively than the banks because they've done exactly that. They've taken on project staff from the banking and insurance sector that have already been through it. They've approached it with a can do, will do, and it is going to make us better all round. And we've seen, you know, from from our standpoint, what looks like an excellent job. So indeed, I, I would agree with that. Nick? What role does technology play in firms facilitating and managing their compliance with SMCR? Technology certainly has a role to play, if only because it's the right tool for the job, really. It's a purpose-built, targeted solution. So if you know, if you think about what we've spoken about today, the challenges of risk aversion and proportionality, for example, uh, technology has a role to play in, in managing those kind of things. Inevitably, if a firm is making do with kind of reusing existing technologies and inevitably that involves additional effort, more resource and the outputs are inherently more risky in terms of their reliability and accuracy. Where it will help is the communication 
between parties and individuals mm. and the capturing of audit trails and discussions. I'm thinking about natural things like handovers and, and those kind of processes, really, where you've got one senior manager handing over responsibilities to, to an incoming senior manager. The communications, the dialogues, the acceptance of responsibility, or, or indeed the debates and negotiations if the incoming senior manager doesn't want or doesn't agree with certain responsibilities. You know, the capturing of that data, the driving of a consistent approach to, to that every time it happens, and the evidential audit trail. So you could substantiate decisions that are made at those kind of critical periods. And what you've touched upon there is the transparency. Absolutely. Um, and which, you know, Excel, email, Teams, and others. So, other, so easy yeah. to lose it. So easy to lose it if it's in an Excel spreadsheet. Thanks, Nick and Julie, and thank you for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to check out the insights section of our website, worksmart.co.uk, for our full catalogue of podcasts and webinars on TNC, complaint handling, and culture and conduct. To learn how WorkSmart's SMCR software Accord can provide your firm with clear central record keeping, strong corporate governance, clear accountability, as well as evidence of employee fitness and proprietary, please visit the solutions section of our website, worksmart.co.uk.